Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. We are in our series, Joyfully Growing in Jesus. We are going verse by verse through the book of Philippians, and that is precisely what we want to be doing. We want to be joyfully growing in Jesus as it's revealed in Philippians. At this time, let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, we are just amazed by you. And we say that in a way that we forget who you are. And then when we reflect upon who you are, it just blows us away. Lord, I just pray that you continue to work through us I am so encouraged personally, and I hope that all of us are, that we're encouraged by the work that we see you doing already through Villa's Grace Church. I hope that we can continue to be positioned to share your good news of salvation with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's face it, the Bible is correct now, isn't it? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Trust me, the Bible's always right. And in this particular instance, we need to face it. And speaking of facing it, let's think about Facebook really quick, okay? You guys, pretty much all of us here are on Facebook. I know not all of us are, but there's a high percentage of us that are. But see, the Bible is correct. See, because in 2 Timothy, what does the Bible say? I want to read this to you really quick. It says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will be times of difficulty. For people will be Lovers of self. So what is Facebook and every other social media platform? Facilitators of just that. All social media is a platform for us to be lovers of self. Now, I get it. There's a few of you here who are saying, I don't use social media to pat myself on the back but you're thinking of somebody that you're friends with that does. And you know that's true. Each and every one of us has a friend on social media in which we know that they have a tendency to pat themselves on the back. Some of you would say, well, I just use it to be connected with others. We have to be very careful because do you know what we call those status updates of people who tend to pat themselves on the back? We call them boast posts. See, boast posts do nothing but arouse jealousy. How about a photo? Think about a photo. When you see a photo, a group photo, how do you determine whether or not that's a good photo or not of the whole group? What is it based upon? Based upon how you look, right? What's the first thing we do when we see a group photo in which we are in the group? We go and find ourselves. And having two older sisters, we were forced in our family to burn photos in the past and now delete them in the current technological age that we're in. So what do you think we post on social media? Any and everything that makes us look good. Let's face it. We're all the same when it comes to this. And if we're not careful, we could become victims of false humility. So with that being said, what is false humility? 
False humility is a number of things. It could be taking yourself a little too seriously. It could be the inability to laugh when a joke is about you. It's publicly proclaiming your own sacrifices. It's listening to others only to speak into their life. It's when we judge others' performance in life based upon us being the standard. Church, this isn't real humbleness. A humble person doesn't look to falsely tear themselves down. A humble person always will look to build the other individual up. And most importantly, a person who is really humble, who is truly, authentically humble, knows that Jesus Christ is the standard. And that person will always point others to Him. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. The title for today's sermon is this, True Humility. True Humility. And we just finished chapter 1 a few weeks ago, or actually last Sunday, excuse me, and we're rolling into chapter 2 of Philippians, starting in verse 1 and ending in verse 11 today. See, last week, Pastor Jared encouraged us to live worthy of the gospel. We were reminded that we cannot earn God's love. That is the cornerstone of the good news, the gospel message. Also, Pastor Jared guided us through living for Christ and others alike. Today, we're going to fix our eyes upon the ultimate example in so doing. We're going to see Jesus in His example of true humility. So join me in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one another. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, being be humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God was high, has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. That's a powerful set of verses. And when we want to put those verses into one sentence, it would look just like this. True humility is modeled after Jesus who humbled himself in order to serve others. True humility is modeled after Jesus who humbled himself in order to serve others. 
It is Valentine's week, and we should love one another. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We done did it this morning, didn't we? I love it because sometimes we throw these images on the screen and even the young men back in the booth will be like, I have no idea where you're going with this one today, Pastor Matt. <laughs> Rule number one in business, do not speak about politics or religion. Rule number one in church, do not speak about politics. Rule number one at Villa's Grace Church, discuss politics as it pertains to religion. If these two work together, if they work together to get something accomplished, what is that called? If they work together, now I know it's hard to imagine that that would ever happen, especially after the last two weeks that we just had in our current political climate, but if they work together to accomplish something, that's called being bipartisan, isn't it? That's a word we hear all the time. Now, if these two refuse to work together, what's that called? <laughs> it's not called stupid. It's called being partisan. It means, and, and, and when you're partisan, for those of us that are unsure how to define that word, it basically just means you're extremely biased. It means you're part of this group of individuals, no matter what kind of organization it is, and you're biased. So what do both of these individuals accuse each other of being? Partisan. They accuse each other of being biased. And I think it will go down in history that both Donald Trump, President Trump, and Speaker Pelosi will always look at each other as being partisan. So what's the moral of the story for us? What's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is don't be partisan. And we see this in our first five verses this morning, these verses that are on the screen. If we look at these verses, our first two verses indicate that we as Christians are a faction. We are a distinct group of people. We're a distinct group of people among the rest of humanity, which makes it all the more important that we are bipartisan with one another. So let's ask two major questions of these next verses. These next five verses, there's two major questions we're going to ask. The first is how, and the second is why. First, the how. How do we begin to be bipartisan with one another? We begin by recognizing, as it says here, our encouragement in Christ. That is something we have in common. Jesus comes alongside each of us individually. And this is our comfort from love, as it says here in the text. How does he do this? How are we able to see Jesus come alongside us? Well, we see this in prayer. We see this as we read God's word. We see this through other fellow believers. Jesus is speaking to you. He is speaking to you. And do you know what he's saying? As he's speaking to you, he's saying, you, as it says here, have participation in the Spirit. He's reminding you, you have a participation in the Spirit. Which is really another way of saying, you are a member. 
a member of God's family, an inheritor of eternal life. You and the rest of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you know what else he is saying? He's saying, I've modeled, as it says here, affection and sympathy to you. I'm your model of affection and sympathy. Church, has the Lord not shown you some compassion? That's why from the inside out spoke to me this morning because of the compassion that the Lord has shown me and continues to show me in my life the same compassion that He does for you too. That song talking about falling away from the Lord, but the Lord still reaching out because He comes alongside us. So again, how do we do this? The how. How do we do this? We do this by not forgetting. Do you know what it is that we should never forget? It's like my dad used to always tell me when I was a kid about other people. Son, everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. We cannot forget that we all receive the gift of salvation the same way, one at a time, individually by confessing our sins and then repenting. Which is why it says right here in the text, being of the same mind. Being of the same mind. We are all saved alike, so now we must all think alike. However, we might not just want to stop there. We can't stop with just thinking alike because we also must love alike too, which is why it says in verse 2, having the same love. Our love for each other should be equal. It should be on a level playing field. And like Paul indicates from the beginning of verse 2, Thinking alike and loving alike is the only way to achieve, as he says right there, complete joy. He's saying, my joy can only be made complete if I see you do these things. Joy is found when we do this thing called life together. So now for the why. Why do we do this? Well, it's really quite simple. We naturally pursue selfish ambition, don't we? We're naturally conceited. Uh, these words are coming from the Bible, just, just so you know. We naturally do not, what, count others more significant than ourselves? Now, this does not indicate that we're incapable of achieving these things. That's not what this is saying. After all, later in Paul's letter to the Philippians, one of the most misused verses in all of Scripture, in my opinion, but we can't forget that it, Paul writes later on, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We are very capable of achieving all of this, especially if we look to the true humility of Jesus as being our example. And heed the encouragement, especially in verse 4. If we just do those two things, look at 
Jesus and his true humility as our model, and we heed exactly what Paul is saying in verse 4 where he says, take care of your own interests and take care of the interests of others. And this brings us to our first point this morning. And that point is this. Those who are saved through Jesus share similar thoughts, love, and purpose. Those who are saved through Jesus share similar thoughts, love, and purpose. We think alike, we love alike, and our purpose is alike. And what's our purpose? Our purpose is to move forward, to move forward with the good news of salvation, the gospel. Our main idea this morning, again, is this. True humility is modeled after Jesus, who humbled himself to serve others, or who humbled himself in order to serve others. All right, ladies, you ready? It's go time. Who's the heartthrob? That was quick. Who was that? Oh, I was not expecting that. I was expecting that from... Somebody who's a little bit older, but, you know, it's okay. <laughs> James Dean. James the rebel without a cause. Dean. Dean had many memorable quotes throughout his short career. However, there's one worth noting for us this morning. And I want to read you this quote from James Dean. He said this. He said, well, I'm not going to go through life with one arm tied behind my back. It is quite apparent from the way in which James Dean lived his life that he made good on that statement, isn't it? Especially from judging from his short life here on earth. And speaking of a short life here on earth, there is someone else who had quite the opposite attitude. In fact, his attitude was to spend his time on earth doing the exact opposite of James Dean's quote. And if you're guessing Jesus, you're guessing correctly. And we see that in our next verses. I want to read to you because these verses are so profound. We see Jesus in these verses here with one arm behind his back while he was on earth. Starting in verse 6. Who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Verse 6 is very clear in that Jesus has been, and that Jesus is currently, and will always be God. The Bible says it, God's word, James, or John, excuse me, 1-1, one, one, in the beginning was the word, so in the beginning was Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You could say, in the, and Jesus was God, and Jesus was God. You could exchange word twice in there. Jesus Christ is God. So how did Jesus go through his life here on earth with one arm tied behind his back? Well, let's take a look at verse 7 again, where it says, But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. 
Charles Ryrie puts it best when he says this. Christ didn't become any less God, but he chose not to use some of his divine attributes. Well said. So the question we should ask is this. Which divine attributes did he limit himself to? First, we understand that he limited himself from his glory that he already had in heaven. Secondly, his independence. What did Jesus say before he went to the cross? Not my will, but yours be done. Thirdly, his divine attributes. See, he allowed the Holy Spirit to work through him. Do you know what's beyond amazing about all of this? What truly is just should blow our minds? Jesus limited himself just enough. Just enough. See, he limited himself just enough to sin, but yet he never did sin. So what does this mean for us who have sinned, who are sinning, and who will sin? And and really, when I ask that question, that's all of us. What does that mean for us sinners? It means we need to follow His example. And true humility will give up what glory you think you already have. Let me say that again. In true humility, if you follow the true humbleness of Jesus, you will give up all the glory that you think that you have that you really don't. And true humility will give up all the independence that you think that you have. And have a not my will but yours be done type attitude. In true humility... Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you? That's why Jesus is our example. Everything that we see Him do in God's Word is what we should be striving to do ourselves. And finally, do you know what results in the pursuit of true humility? If we actually pursue true humility, do you know what actually happens? The end result, the the big payoff... See, what's going to happen is if we strive to achieve this, we will be better positioned to serve others. See, Jesus is our one and only example of true humility. Because as the creator of the cosmos, the creator of the heavens and earth, not only did he humiliate himself by becoming a man, and further so by becoming a servant, but ultimately he humbled himself and humiliated himself by choosing, and I use that word on purpose, by choosing to die a criminal's death. Verse 8 says, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And this brings us to our second point this morning. Our second point is this. We should strive daily to humble ourselves like Jesus in order to better serve others. You notice in a trend this morning? 
It ain't about us, is it? Mm-mm. It's not about us. We should strive daily to humble ourselves like Jesus in order to better serve others. And again, our main point this morning, true humility is modeled after Jesus who humbled himself in order to serve others. Now, speaking of creating the cosmos, Jesus created everything. This picture right here, this image that you're looking at, should put things into perspective. And I don't even think that this image does us justice. It really doesn't. We're much smaller than what this image displays. So I don't know about you, but it puts any bad day that I think I'm having into perspective. Any problem that I think is too big, it puts that into perspective. In fact, it kind of puts eternity into perspective now, doesn't it? Because even for as large as an image that we're looking at here in all of God's creation, it pales in comparison to eternity. So think about God's creation as it pertains to eternity. Now, think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. Think about what you're seeing here in this image. His name is above every name. All of creation will bow down to him. So as Mike comes up and we read these last verses, think about this. God's word tells us, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, new honor and new glory was given to Jesus due to his humility and his obedience. God miraculously raised Jesus from the dead and he seated him right at his right hand in heaven. And what does it say? Bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Now take a look at verse 10. Think of the image we just showed on the screen as you look at verse 10. Think of the cosmos. Even if there are extraterrestrials out there, they will confess the name of Jesus. They will bow to him. He is who we worship. So as it pertains to coming to church this morning, we're not here to be entertained. We're not here to be comfortable, to feel comfort. You're not here to listen to my opinion. You're not here so you can get something out of it. Those are all, all the things that we say. These are all the reasons why we pick and choose what church we're going to go to. Oh, I can't go there. I just don't really get anything out of it. Oh, I love that church. I just get so much out of it when I go. Oh, you should hear the pastor. He's so charismatic. He's a great speaker. Oh, and the worship leader, his voice is angelic. Are you there to be entertained? This isn't the comedy hour. You didn't come here to hear stand-up, did you? Church. We're here to humbly serve just like Jesus. And we're going to keep pointing to him. He is who we know 
In him is how we grow. And it is with his good news in which that we go. And this brings us to our third and final point. God highly exalted Jesus due to his true humility. God highly exalted Jesus due to his true humility. And let's not forget our first two points. Our first point was this. Those who are saved through Jesus share similar thoughts, love, and purpose. We should think alike, we should love alike, and we should share the good news of salvation alike because that message doesn't change. That's the same good news. That's the same gospel message that Jesus shared with you to save you individually. Because what? He comes alongside us, right? He's speaking to us. Pray on. Read His Word on. Fellowship and do life together. Keep moving because He is moving alongside us. And our second point this morning was this. We should strive daily to humble ourselves like Jesus in order to better serve others. Consistent theme in these 11 verses this morning. Consistent theme. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. And our main point this morning was this, again. True humility is modeled after Jesus who humbled himself in order to serve others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is our guide, our prayer. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.